Today's episode is brought to you by the best portfolio tracking tool available for Aussie investors, ShareSite. Put away the spreadsheet. ShareSite makes it ridiculously simple with automatic holding updates, comprehensive tax and performance reporting wrapped up in an easy to use fully online system. My favorite thing about ShareSite is how easy it makes tax returns. Simply generate your tax report at the end of financial year and voila, you're done. Either hand it off to your accountant or fill it in if you do it yourself using the report. And here is the best part. It's 100% free for users that have under 10 holdings. If you have over 10 holdings and still want to sign up, make sure you use my link to get the first two months for free. Head over to aussiefirebug.com forward slash share site to receive this special offer. Even if you're thinking about signing up using the free plan, using that link will score you two months for free if you ever decide to own more than 10 holdings. Finish tax time with a click of a button using ShareSite by signing up today. That's aussiefirebug.com forward slash ShareSite for your free two months. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Arx Firebug Fridays, the weekly fire Q&A where you guys get to submit your questions and I try my best to answer them. I cannot believe we are at the final episode of the year. Can you believe it? End of 2018, basically, um, you know, we've got a few more days, but I cannot believe that we're here already. Um, Apologies last week for no Arx Firebug Fridays episode. I had the podcast that went out. Hope you enjoyed it. But it has just been absolutely crazy. This year actually has just been like a blur. Um, personally, financially, uh, the website. It blows me away. Blows me away how many people are interested in my journey to financial independence so I can retire early. Um, the numbers this year just have been insane and we just keep getting bigger and bigger. I think the fire movement in general is uh, getting a lot bigger in Australia and the rest of the world in general. And as a result, Aussie Firebug continues to grow, which is, um, yeah, just blow, blows me away every day. So thank you everyone that tunes in and comments and sends love and the emails and everything like that. Now, this will be the last episode for a while. I'm taking a little bit of a break. Uh, I'm going on holidays this week. Uh, I'm already on holidays now, but you know, recording this last one just for you guys. But um, I'm gonna, yeah, I got I got some news coming in 2019. So watch this space. Uh, but I can't keep uh, producing as much content as I'd like to because I'll be away. So this one will be the last one for a little while. Stay tuned. I'm still going to um, be releasing content, but just not every Friday um, until further notice. I'll give you guys an update on that in due course. But we have a really great episode today. We're going to be talking about when to prioritize paying off a mortgage. And we're also going to be chatting about the super fund that I'm with and alternatives in that space. And lastly, high growth versus the dividends approach. So uh, let's go out with a bang, guys. I hope you enjoy the last episode of Arx Firebug Fridays for 2018. Let's get into it. Nothing in this episode is financial advice. The following Q&A are for general information only and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should always do your own research when making any financial decisions. Our first question today comes from Stephen. Stephen writes in, Hello, 
I found a lot of information in regards to paying off a mortgage versus investing. However, I cannot find much to match my circumstances and I'm hoping you can shed some light. I live with my father and have a very low cost of living. I have an investment property and also invest in Vanguard index funds. If I lived in my property, I I would prioritize investing in the equity funds over paying extra on the home loan. My question would be, is there anything to think differently about if the property is being used to create an income as an investment rather than a debt burden if I was living in it? Is there any reason to prioritize paying extra on the mortgage? Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen, for that question. It, my opinion on this is that it depends on a few different things. Firstly, is your investment property's loan interest only or is it principal and interest? So is it interest only or P&I? I recently changed my loan, uh, both my loans from interest only to P&I because the difference in interest rate between them had reached a level so great that it only added an extra $150 per month extra to switch to principal and interest versus interest only. And that obviously comes with the added benefit of actually paying down some of the loan too. I think this was the intention of APRA all along when they had that crackdown on interest-only loans uh, about, I think it was about two years ago or 18 months ago, they started really hammering the banks with the interest-only loans um, because like you, I didn't want to switch. I didn't, I wanted to continue with interest-only loans uh, because that's what, it's the most tax-efficient way to do it for investors. And sometimes I read these stories, comments or whatever that you know will be, look how many interest-only loans there are on the bank's books and this is you know disaster waiting to happen. How can people just keep rolling over their interest-only loans? Like when will they pay off their loan? Well, the thing is, if you speak to majority of property investors, we do it because it's tax efficient. We don't do it because we can't pay the principal and interest. It's just the way, uh, it's, it's just more tax efficient to keep the tax deduct, tax deductible loan, um, there and to, uh, have that to, to claim on tax every year and to put any excess funds either in the market or to pay down your primary place of residency that's not tax deductible, or even if you don't have anywhere to put it, it usually goes in an offset. So I would like to see the stats on how many interest-only loans have an offset that has significant, like maybe 5% um, of what the property's worth or what the loan's worth in that offset. I would Without knowing the stats, I would like to think that a lot of property investors would have a decent chunk of money in their offset, um, which I don't know is being counted with all these stats. They're just saying interest-only loans, interest-only loans, and they might not you know, be taking things into consideration. But anyway, back to the point. Um, when APRA had this, this big crackdown of interest-only loans, um, the, the difference between how much, yeah, I was paying on the rate on interest only versus the rate in P&I has gotten so, so great that I have made the switch even though I didn't want to. Um, but there comes a point when the interest repayments, you know, obviously are too much and the difference um, basically means that, 
you're, you're saving too much money by going the principal and interest. And plus you're paying off a, a part of the loan, which, you know, I didn't want to do, but uh, it's not a bad thing. So I guess hats off to APRA. I think that that's the outcome they intended for, for people like me to look at the figures and say, you know, I'm not willing to pay this much of a difference just to have interest only. I'm going to switch to P&I and get the lower rate. So I feel like that was their intention all along. So touche, APRA, touche. So I would say to you, Stephen, to look at the rate that you're paying and work out how much you could save in interest if you switch to P&I, if your loan isn't already P&I, if it's interest only. The other part to this puzzle for most people is their risk tolerance and how they react to bear markets. It's very, very safe to simply smash out a mortgage ASAP. In fact, I think majority of people, if you don't know about the stock market, if you're never going to learn about it, you're never going to put the time and effort to actually educate yourself on it, you really can't go wrong with just paying off a mortgage. That's a you know a guaranteed strategy to build wealth. You just you buy a house and you pay off the mortgage as soon as you can. You can't really lose and there's not much that can really go wrong other than just meet your repayments every single month, throw anything excess in the, in the offset or you know aggressively pay it off. Um, because some people can't sleep at night with a lot of debt to their name and that's perfectly okay. We are all different with different risk tolerances and everything like that. Mathematically speaking, historically, you're better off not paying off extra on your loan, but instead investing that surplus into the stock market. And you touched a little bit about, you touched a little bit on that, Stephen, in your question. So I'm pretty sure you understand that. Uh, just make sure the, well, the, the last thing I'll add is if you do have extra to put in, make sure you're dumping that extra into an offset and not against the loan. This is for tax deductible purposes and may help you later if you ever decide to use that offset money elsewhere. A redraw and an offset are very, very different and they're treated, they're treated different, uh, by the ATO. So any, uh, investors out there or investor out there. And this goes for your primary place of residency as well. If you're living in a house and you're aggressively paying off the loan and then one day you move out and you want to turn it into an investment property and you redraw a lot of your money off the loan and you use that to buy your new primary place of residency, guess what? You cannot use that part of the loan that you would redrew money from. You can't use the interest on that part of the loan as ta- as tax deductible. If, however, you have it in an offset, it's essentially doing the same thing, but when you pull it out, 100% of the loan, if you convert that house into an investment property, 100% of the loan is now tax deductible. So I recommend offsets everywhere you can. Never, I don't can't think of a good reason to use a redraw account. If the offset option is available, I would personally always always use that option so they're the main sort of things that um, i look at in regards to your question Stephen. and i hope i have answered that um or at least given you some food for thought our second question on this friday comes from jack jack writes in hey first of all thanks for all the great content I wanted to know if you have any post on super or any advice on what to do with your super account for early retirement. Do you have a self-managed super fund or do you go through a specific super fund? 
Basically, I want to know what can I do to optimize my super. I live in Queensland and I'm with Q Super. Thanks, Jack. Thank you for your question, Jack. And it pains me to say this because it was one of my goals for 2018. But it pains me to say that um, I wanted to write more about super this year, but I have failed miserably. I actually tried to get a super expert on the podcast and I'm still hoping that I can get one. Um, but I really got... I got the runaround with a lot of people. Uh, I'm not. I'm going to be honest. Um, I did follow up with with a few different people. I tried really hard to get uh, Trish Power, uh, Powers Power, Trish Power from Superguide.com. Her stuff was really really good, but I just couldn't get. I couldn't lock her in to a time and date. Um, I didn't actually get through to her. I spoke with some like the media manager, but I just could never, you know lock in a date and time with her she's really really busy and they went through like a site site relaunch and everything like that a rebrand but um i tried a few other people as well and i for, for the for whatever reason i just could not get it done um and i guess i could have tried a little bit harder but i sort of neglected super a little bit unfortunately because i had so much other stuff to write about um that i just when I kept getting the roadblocks um, for my guests for the podcast, I still want to do a podcast, by the way. I still have hope that I want to do that. Um, I just, yeah, I lose track and I get distracted with other stuff that I'm doing. So um, I don't have a whole bunch to give you, Jack. But what I can say is I'm personally with Vic Super and Mrs. Firebug is with Vic Super. I've heard great things about Host Plus. Uh, the Barefoot Investor recommends them and usually, you know, he recommends great stuff. So check out Host Plus. They have a really low management fee, which I hope everyone by now, you know, I'm all about the management fee. So Host Plus has a really low one. And I recently read an article and I wanted to mention that Rest Super just released investment options where they charge 0% in management fees. You heard that right, 0%. You still pay the underlying fee for like the fund. So if you're investing in an ETF, you still pay the ETS fee. But usually what a super fund does is they charge their own fee on top of that fee. So I think this is a pretty sweet deal. So you might want to check that out. I have a link in on the website um, for this article, Rest Super. Um, I might check it out as well because I've sort of been, I keep saying I've been slack in this department, but I've just... Yeah, I've got to get around to doing it. I don't know. I know I'm, it's, it's me being lazy. I've got to get around to doing it. But right now, without doing a whole bunch of research, I'd probably um, look at Host Plus really carefully. And obviously, this REST Super um, with the 0% management fee. you got to look at a few other things with Super though, because it's not black and white. you got to make sure you're comparing apples with apples because Super Funds offer a lot more than just... Um, it's not just all about fees. You have life insurance and everything like that. So make sure you just do your research and um, choose a super fund that is best for you. Hope that answers your question, Jack, and thank you for writing in. And our last question for 2018 comes from Rando. Rando writes in, Hi, Aussie Firebug. Thanks for your great work on the blog and podcast. I wanted to ask you about your move to strategy three. I think I understand the logic behind it and what you're looking to achieve. If I can play devil's advocate, wouldn't it make more sense to invest in higher growth indexes for now, e.g. the US market, VTS, 
which has massively outperformed the ASX slash VAS slash A200 over the last 10 years, even allowing for dividends. As this would grow your net wealth, your net worth, your net wealth, and allow you to achieve fire earlier. After that, you could sell VTS slash VGS, convert to dividend paying shares like licks, and live off the passive income. Key point being, while you're working and not relying on dividend on the dividend income, growth stocks slash index funds would allow you to grow your pot, your pie larger and more quickly. Once it's at a sufficient size where the equivalent value in Oz dividend stocks slash index funds would pay enough passive income to live off, you would sell and convert, right? Cheers and thanks for your time. Rando. Thank you, Rando, for your question. And it's something that I definitely, definitely thought about. There's no doubt about it. And I guess in a nutshell, what you're saying is essentially timing the market. Like if we lived in a perfect world, I'd be doing exactly what you're saying. If the stock market was very easy to read and it just went up granularly, you know, we could guarantee that um, the international and the high growth stocks were going to outperform Aussie stocks, then 100% I would do it and there'd be no questions asked. But unfortunately, our world and financial markets are far from perfect. What you're suggesting works well in in theory if everything's going right, but it is really hard to time in the real world. And the biggest risk is a bear market just before retirement. If the market's tanked, which is ironic because right now in the last couple of weeks, they're, uh, they're plummeting, you know, each day. And even as I'm right, isn't it? Even as I'm doing this article, um, they keep continuously going down. Um, so if the market's tanked right before I retired or even let's say a year out or, you know, uh, two years out, it could delay our retirement by years, but, you know, allowing for the market to recover and then reach new heights. So I'm more comfortable with strategy three, even if I have to work a year or two more to get to the end goal, because I understand and I, you know, I accepted that living off dividends is probably going to take a little bit longer than going with the high growth stock. But I just wanted to mitigate that big risk I've seen of a, of a market crash right before I retired. Um, and it's, I thought it was ironic as well. You mentioned VTS because, um, it's had a very, very rough trot during the last few months. Actually, it's, everything's actually had a, had a rough trot, but, um, but VTS especially has been hit pretty hard. But do you know what's funny? Ever since we started investing in the share market, which was over two years ago, VTS actually is still my number one performer. It's still at like 10% overall, including dividends and everything. Whereas V, my Australian market index, VAS, which is my main one, um, I think that's only at like a miserable, like 2.9%, including dividends, which is, you know, pathetic for two years. But hey, you know, this is what we signed up for. So the market has peaks and troughs and, um, over the long run, I'm hoping for that eight to 9%. So I guess we will see. So imagine if I had invested, uh, changed my investment plan and, and invested in VTS and imagine 
if I was about to retire in 2019, let's imagine that if, if next year I was planning to retire and then suddenly this happens, what, what's actually happening in the real world happened, I'd be like, oh no, I can't, you know, there's no way I can retire now. I've got to go back to work and I've got to keep working and I don't know when this bear market's going to recover. And not only has it got to recover, it's got to recover and then grow some more until I get to my number. So I hope that makes sense to you. Um, I do hedge my bets, you know, having said all that, I hedge my bets a little bit and I don't have, you know, I'm not a hundred percent Aussie shares. I do have a little bit, when I say a little bit, I have a decent amount of VTS and VEU, which is basically the rest of the world. And VTS is definitely high growth stocks. VEU definitely has them as well. Um, and then if you factor in my super as well, you know, we're talking over a hundred grand in, in international stock. So it's not like I'm a hundred percent Aussie markets. Um, but that's definitely our focus now. So, you know, I got a, I got a little, little, um, pieces in, um, all different pies. I'm diversifying, um, but I'm just focusing on the Aussie income for the moment. And I guess we'll especially see, um, what happens next year with the, um, labor and the franking credits and everything like that. So I'm going to watch that space very carefully and see what happens there. Uh, that could change, you know, change my strategy as well. So hope that, hope that answered your question and thank you so much for your question. And thank you everyone that emailed me, uh, this year for your questions. I know that I have a massive backlog to get through just with everyone's emails and everyone's questions. So please, 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 if you sent in an email, I will 100% get back to you at some point. It just might take many months to get back to you. So don't lose, don't lose faith that I've, I've forgotten about you. Everyone that emails in, I do respond to. And I thank everyone for emailing in. That's it, guys, for 2018. What a year it's been. We're going to come back in 2019 even bigger and better. I'm looking forward to it and I hope you guys are too. Have a great New Year's and I will see you guys next year. Peace.